welcome to Multiverse of Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form, I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we have on a special guest, Jamal. Hello! Uh, so Jamal, you are the co-creator and illustrator of the new comic from Ahoy Comics, The Wrong Earth. That is true. That is very, very true. <laughs> You also did a number of issues for the book that we covered last week, Tangent Superman's Reign. Mm-hmm. And then you've just been illustrating comics for a long time. Everything from your creator-owned series, Molly Danger, to Supergirl, to a large number of other books. Yeah, I've, I've been around for about oh, 28 years now. So yeah, I've, I've, I've managed to get my hands on a lot of uh on a lot of primo stuff <laughs> and for people who are unfamiliar could you give a bit of the rundown of what the wrong earth is about sure well the basic pitch is what if a happy-go-lucky silver age superhero gets suddenly sent to a dim and dismal hellscape while his dark and brooding counterpart gets sent to a world where the cops are good, the malls aren't so bad, and the bad guys are a cross between Charles Nelson Riley and Paul Lind. <laughs> it is like really good. We've gotten to read the first issue, which is loaded with stuff. It is available on Comixology. So it's like along with the comic, you also get an essay, you get interviews, and you get a lot of other really neat bits in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Ahoy, uh, everything that's coming out from Ahoy is basically a comic book magazine. So all the books are going to have 40 pages of content. You're going to have a, a literal who's who creators involved, you know, You've got Grant Morrison writing prose stories with HUD Hornet. You've got Shannon Wheeler with Too Much Coffee Man. You've got Stuart Moore, who was my partner on Firestorm back in the day, um, doing Captain Ginger with June Brigman. You know, just great stuff. Uh, you got Greg Scott illustrating the, the hell out of high heaven. I mean, it, I've seen the first issue. It looks amazing. That comes out, I think, in like another week and a half or so, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, they're putting all their energy behind this new imprint and it's just, it's phenomenal stuff. I'm, I'm very happy to be involved. Oh yeah. As a person who's on a, another imprint, not too long ago, it's nice to see such a diverse and different and also star-studded lineup. I mean, you've got Edgar Allan Poe writing comics. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you have his mortal enemy enemy uh, editing comics. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> There's a little animosity there. <laughs> well, do you think that Tom Pyre could take Edgar Allan Poe in a fight? Eh, I don't... Yeah, probably. Tom's, Tom's a big guy, you know. The post seems a little bit like a dandy to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, do Tom Pyres have any known weaknesses? I know vampires have the whole crosses and garlic and such. Well, Tom Pyres' weakness seems to be con crud. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
But then what did they, like, need to eat to survive? Or is it just your generic writer's array of... Pasta. Lots of pasta. And then whatever food is whatever not food awful is- at conventions? Yeah, exactly. You know, plenty of beer to keep the, to keep the, uh, the fluids going. You know, lots of pasta. <laughs> pasta and beer. Pasta and beer. Comic artist life for me. Exactly. It's, it's the stuff of legend. So how did you end up getting onto the wrong earth? Myself or how does Dragonfly Man end up on the wrong earth? Oh, those no, are two, no. Those how, are two separate how, questions. Uh, how did you end up on this hellscape of an earth that we are in right now? And then how did you end up writing the book on this version of the earth? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I ended up here as the, you know, son of a poor black child in uh, deep in the heart in Mississippi. But um, <laughs> how did I end up on the wrong earth? Well, that is actually due to the aforementioned Stuart Moore. We live in the same neighborhood. We've stayed friendly for years and years and years. And I, there's a, a, a pie in a little bakery near my house that I like to frequent on a fairly regular basis. And Stuart goes there every once in a while when he feels like getting out of the house and writing. And I bumped into him and he said that Tom was interested in talking to me about a project that he had in mind. And I couldn't pass up the opportunity to at least talk to Tom and see what he had going. I had just finished Captain Kid, the book that he was doing at Aftershock. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan of his since his Legion of Superhero days. So, you know, I talked to Tom on the phone I never had the opportunity to meet him before. Um, and when I talked to him on the phone and he pitched me the idea for uh, The Wrong Earth, I was immediately intrigued. I just like, this sounds like such a great idea. Let's do this. And that's that's how I got involved. It is kind of a fantastic elevator pitch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's 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 one of those things where... It's absolutely ridiculous that it hadn't been done before, or at least in that fashion. Mm -hmm. Especially not with this sort of focus. And then, like, it's already got an amazing, like, main villain character in uh, number one. Oh, yeah. Uh, He is. Both versions are simultaneously whimsical and horrifying at the same time the like ultimate narcissistic supervillain oh yes absolutely it's 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 literally all about him and nobody else and he will let you know that and to the to the depths of that will be apparent will you'll start to really see an issue too so, speaking of baked shops, what is your baked good of choice? My baked, you know, I'm a muffin guy for the most for the most part. To be honest, I, I, you know, the the the, the same aforementioned pie place that I was talking about, they make really good muffins. Like they they do like small batch muffins every day. So you know, I I, I that's my my post run treat usually. Like, are you a uh blueberry muffin a chocolate muffin like what's your what's well, your muffin i will i will give you yesterday they had a nectarine muffin Ooh! sometimes they they have done apple ginger they have done uh 
was a uh, black current. They have nice. Yeah, they they have they have done. Uh, they'll do like a mixed fruit with like mixed berries. It really like it's like I said. It's they try to switch it up at least every couple of days or so. So it's always a little mystery of what you're going to get when you walk in. You're doing excellent. It is actually. It is very good. I've been watching a lot of the Great British Baking Show, and that's been making me crave like really good baked goods. You know, you know what? I my my wife and my daughter both love the Great British Baking Show. I I kind of watch it in a distance because it just makes me hungry. But it's it's so like civilized and sweet. You know, I'm I'm you know I'm an American. I I, I you know that, that that puts me off my center a little bit. <laughs> No, it makes me feel super relaxed when I watch that show. <laughs> I feel like the key to it is that because it's a BBC and a like PBS show, right. they don't need to build up moments of suspense to get you to come back after the commercial break. This and is so true. it's all positive. Yeah, and everybody's so helpful too. I think mm-hmm. that helps. Though, like when you get done with the first season of the Netflix one and then go on to the uh, following season, which was actually like the previous season. <laughs> It just has everybody. It's like, whoopsie, I accidentally cut my hand open. And everybody just like slices their hand. It's like, God, <laughs> this turned into body horror very fast. Well, you know, it, it's good, though. They're, they're showing solidarity. You know, that, that's, we, we could use a lot more of that in the world. You want the American equivalent? Uh, Guys, grocery games has that a little bit of camaraderie. That's not quite the same thing. I know it's not. <laughs> I thought you were going to say "guy" demands a blood tithe from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I you know, I'm a little frightened whenever guy wants to take somebody to Flavor Town. <laughs> take him to Flavor Town, leave him in the desert. Exactly. <laughs> So, what would the scariest alternate Earth guy be, Harry B? Oh, I can't even. You know what? The the alternate Earth guy, Fietti, is just sitting in some basement somewhere, chopping up rats and talking to the corner, thinking that it's a television camera. (laughs) Just going, bam, bam. Bam, and there's nobody else in the room. <laughs> the darkest corner of Flavortown. Oh, absolutely. The darkest corner of Flavortown is a hellscape that you will never return from. <laughs> so what would 60s swing and <laughs> You know what? 60s swinging Guy Fietti would probably be like, you know, a cross between Julia Child and like Steve Allen. Just a giant pompadour. You know. Not even he won't even take the suit off when he's going to going into these restaurants. You know, there's like, you know, short order cooks spilling grease and everything all over the place. And suddenly, you know, he's just like Bam, everybody, hi! You know, I'm scaring the hell out of the patrons. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm just seeing like so many of his recipes being like those weird 60s cookbooks where it's like, oh yeah, no, we're just going to put everything in gelatin. It's like broccoli goes in gelatin. Hot dogs, they go in gelatin. Marshmallows and spam. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing important work. Everything's got a demi-glaze of like, you know, chitlins on it or something. (laughs) I don't even know if you can do a Debbie Glaze of Chitlins. It just sounds wrong. I think you'd have to like boil them down with sugar. I think so too. I, I, think, that, <laughs> I, think, that, I think that's definitely uh, the case. <laughs> so uh, what is the process for Another Earth? Is it a full scripted series? Is it uh, more of a collaborative, uh, like Marvel style. No, no, no. Um, Tom writes full scripts, but he leaves enough room for me to, uh, to do design work and lay out the book the way that I want to lay it out and make suggestions and changes. And he, he's a really good collaborator in that regard. Um, the entire time that I've been working on this series, Tom has been very hands-off in some areas but you know we we talk a lot and we're right on the same wavelength with you know the stuff that we like the stuff the influences that we want to bring in we you know we'll have like half an hour long conversations and just we'll be cracking up the entire time trying to come up with the most ridiculous scenario for for this book that we're trying to put together. So, yeah, it's it's been, you know, but, you know, our roles are very defined, but it has been a very collaborative version of that. So does that mean that we're eventually going to see a sequel, The Wrong Earth? Um, possibly. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Because that, that's definitely there's definitely a maybe there. Because right now it's a limited series. Yes, but there are we we are discussing there are plans we are discussing where we go from here because you know I'm almost done mm-hmm. with the, with the first six issues. So you know we we have a direction that we want to go. The reaction has been really good so far. I think we can take it further, and I think we can build upon it. So does that mean like we're going to see even more universes? If there is another volume, are we seeing more universes in this first one? Possibly. There's hints of it, actually, in page one of this issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, while they're going through which kind of actually reminded me of uh, part of the tangent Superman where I think you hadn't illustrated that issue mm-hmm. but it's the Flash fighting the new version of the Mirror Master and he sees like all the other Flashes. Right. Yeah. Which is something that I've always been into which is why I do such a weird and esoteric podcast with Devin. <laughs> Well, that there's nothing wrong with that at all, then. But yeah, um, there's there's definitely plans in the works 
for that. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it's definitely there. Will one of those universes be a feature film adaptation? Oh, from your lips to God's ears, <laughs> believe me. Listen, I've, I've already put it, I'm putting it out in the universe already. Listen, John Hamm, you don't have to play Batman. You know, we, you, know you want to play Dragonfly slash Dragonfly Man. There's a lot of material for you. You can do it. We've seen you do it. You know, you, there's a lot of material for you there. Just, you know, give me a call. Hook me up, brother. <laughs> So, Devin, if you want to ask some questions now. Yeah, I'm curious about um, illustrating it. Do you generally just do like all the 60s stuff first and then switch towards more of the future stuff? Or do you alternate back and forth more or less like the actual pages read out? Actually, you know what? The For the majority of the series so far, I was working in a very linear fashion. So I would start at page one and end on page 22. It's only uh, with the most recent issue that I completed where I was drawing each of the scenes in chunks because there were direct correlations between those sections. So it was just easier to do it that way. But, you know, I enjoyed seeing things played out because the way that I work usually is I lay out the entire book before I start drawing page one. So I know where things are going. It just makes it easier for me in the uh, in the drawing stage, and then is it challenging to switch between those two art styles, or did you find it pretty easy to? No, do it, get going? One, well, one of the things that I before I started penciling the book, one of the things that I was kind of going through internally is how to approach the series, and I had thought for a while that I would do, uh, try to do something akin to what, like, say, J.H. Williams would do, where each character would have their own distinct sort of, like, you know, one character's cartoony, one character's more serious, one's, you know, more batman the animated series, one's more grim and gritty, but I, that would bore me after a while, you know, trying to make that, cohesive just didn't work so what i ultimately decided to do was to play the whole thing straight you know treat it the same way that you know william dozier treated batman or the green hornet the absurdity comes from the situation the absurdity comes from the dialogue but i'm playing it straight with the artwork so you know, with Dragonfly, for example, the only real difference is the, the, the fabric and the tension and musculature and the rendering on the Earth Omega figures, more cross-hatching, more shadow, just, you know, a, a much darker tone as opposed to Earth Alpha, where everything, it's where, the, where the lines are cleaner and, you know, not simple, but less... Uh, less complicated in terms of line work and a lot of how, and you'll see this starting with issue two even more, how both dimensions differentiate from each other comes down to the, the technology and the furnishings and the clothing and everything that's involved um, outside of the figures themselves. 
So it, it makes the, the transition for the casual reader easier to go from one world to another. You know, but you know, the, also I found that the, the best way to differentiate both worlds was in the layouts of the pages themselves. So with Earth Omega, everything is much more in sort of like a Brian Hitch Ultimates, you know, Frank Quitely sort of, you know, stacked panels. But with the Earth Alpha sequences, you have figures jutting out of panels. You know, you're, you have like tilted panels, circular panels, much more of a classic uh, 60s, 70s sort of comic book uh, style in terms of the storytelling. You know, you know, all the fight scenes are in Dutch angles, that sort of thing. Where uh, the Earth Omega sequences are much more of a cinematic tone. Yeah, that was something that I noticed that was like really nice and like subtle if you aren't looking for it and then it's something that you're able to go back and be like oh wow like it is a great way of telling different versions or like of going just beyond the look and the design right. and moving more towards layouts i certainly try that's for sure so which earth would you rather be on earth alpha or earth omega <laughs> Um, I think I'd probably rather be on Earth Alpha, to be honest. Things just sort of work out the way that they're supposed to on Earth Alpha. You know, I, I imagine in my head Earth Alpha being a place where everything smells like apple pie, no matter what. Everything is just clean and orderly and, you know, the police are friendly and, you know, you know, you still have doctors who make house calls and the milkman shows up and <laughs> leaves a couple of bottles. So does Tom know other Greek letters besides Alpha and Omega? I would assume so. He's a pretty smart guy. What is your favorite Greek letter? What is my favorite Greek word? Epsilon. That's a good one. Thank you. What's yours, Devin? Beta. (laughs) (laughs) Why beta? I mean, Epsilon has a very nice mouthfeel to it. It was from like these weird like wolf documentaries you watched back in high school. And Mm -hmm. you had your alpha wolf, your omega wolf, and then you just kind of had like that beta wolf who... He kind of just tagged along. He, he was just, yeah, he was, was just there. there. Yeah, he wasn't the he wasn't like the Omega where they get like sent away and they have to fight for the scraps. But he's just like, yeah, I don't have to do a no, ton the, of work, but I still get to enjoy the meal after the fact. Yeah, the Beta Wolf's name is Kevin. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of inoffensive. Yeah, nobody's really sure what he does. He just sort of shows up when the hunt's over. He'll bring some rabbits at best. Yeah. <laughs> he brings berries and none of the other wolves want to eat the berries. 
Stop I'm trying saying- to push your berries on me, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin and his damn berry agenda. Uh, I personally like Psy because it's a trident. Okay. A psychic trident. <laughs> this has been Greek alphabet corner. <laughs> <laughs> And now let's go to the next new interview segment. What question do you have for Devin and I to answer? What? Wow. Oh, I wasn't ready yeah. for this one. Um, hmm. It's this new type of gotcha journalism. Oh, geez. That's all I need in my life. <laughs> uh, hmm. Did you guys see the Captain Marvel trailer? Oh, did I? Yeah. What'd you think? Loved it. I was very I'm, impressed. I'm glad she punched out that old Me woman. Too. <laughs> I hope she's not a scroll. <laughs> no. You know, there's so many other reasons she could be punched in the face. She could be a Nazi. This is she true. Could just be generally racist. She could just be a dick. I mean, you know, that's a possibility too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe she hates Nine Inch Nails. We keep seeing Carol rocking that shit throughout the rest of the trailer. Yeah, that- Push a little bit too hard. Yeah. Said that she uh, thought downward spiral sucked, and now uh, Carol's <laughs> lost it. <laughs> she just thought that Billy Corgan is a better musician than anybody in Nine Inch in Nine Inch Nails. Oh no! Now those are fighting. Those words. are fighting words, Luke. Also, there's only one person in Nine Inch Nails: is Trent Reznor. <laughs> <laughs> Is it wrong that I, as soon as she punched that old lady, the only thing that went through my head was Austin Powers? That's no, that's no lady. That's a man, man. Oh, what is your Austin Powers movie of choice? I, you know what? I think of the three, I think I probably like Goldmember the best. Really? Yeah. That's... I just I like the 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 de evolution of Scott Evil, like him just slowly transforming into Doctor Evil over the course of the movie was just funny as hell. Okay, I can accept that. <laughs> you didn't uh, think I had an answer for that one, did you? <laughs> I thought you were just going to say the first one. (laughs) But, like, those are weird artifacts to look back onto. Because it's like, oh, Will Ferrell has only a minor supporting role in those. This is is true, but, you know, those movies are basically... I mean, was I'm pretty sure... I mean, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that... uh, What's his name? Uh... The guy who runs Saturday Night Live, Lorne Michaels, yeah, has, is uh, one of the executive producers on those movies. So, Wouldn't you know, the first movie, especially, is just filled with SNL people. Like you look at that, and yes, like, Will Ferrell's in that scene. I think Chris Parnell's in in the movie too. If I, I have watched correctly? it in at least yeah, it's, three years. It's, it's, it's been a long time since I'm watching it. Since I've watched it, I'm pretty sure, especially like the that uh, that doctor, the like the introduction of all the the Doctor Evil people. It's like they're either you know 
you know, SNL people or Groundlings people, basically. Like, let's get all our friends and do a movie. And I mean, it, it it's definitely something that I think had the has had the right amount of staying power. Mm-hmm. But I also remember not understanding it when I was like eight years old because my brother would always like go over to his friend's house and see it. And I was like, wait, but if his name's Austin Powers, what are his powers? And just not understanding. Oh, you guys, like, oh, you were young then. Yeah. You, you yeah. guys are young. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only almost 28 or 29. One of those two. Oh, you're hurting me. 29, Luke, because you're a year older than me. That's That's even worse. (laughs) Yeah. Remember when I just came into Boy Scouts and then got elected president because I was the only person in uniform? Yeah. Well, they do say dress for the job you want, right? Yes. So uh, it's time to turn it over to Twitter questions. And uh, let's see how many we got. Uh, We'll normally put out a call for questions. And uh, Forge on Vacation, who is at Questions and Tansers, wants to know, what about a world where everyone is Forge? Where everyone is what? Forge. You know, like from the X-Men. Shitty X-Men mm. character. Well, I know, I know who Forge is. I can't imagine how useful that world is. You know? I mean, everybody's making their own stuff, so there's probably no commerce at all, right? I mean, you know, if you, could, if you can make your own, you know, appliances, what's the use of having, you know, Maytag or anything or you know car companies you can just feel lazy I mean anybody can go and make a pie but not everybody wants to just be like make I'm going to make a pie today yeah well no but at the same at the same time if you if your mutant power is just to make whatever you know scientific thing that just comes to your mind and it just instantly works no matter what and Where's the incentive? So you just need to create a class of less motivated forgers. Pretty much. You know, all they're doing is making spoons. <laughs> but they're really nice spoons. <laughs> they're like sharper image. Would the forges starve to death, though? Because would they know how to make food? No, but they all have their own like personal replicators and stuff. They'd just be trying to see whose replicator works the best. <laughs> or they'd all just make their own versions of Soylent. Pretty much. Yeah. They oh. they they built, you know, machines to farm for them at this point. I'm 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 sort of fascinated and horrified by this forge world. <laughs> it's a little frightening when you think about it. It is. What strange world has been forged? Ugh. So, if you could ask a question to Tom Pyre right now, what would you ask? Ooh. I know that's that's a good you know that's a good question to ask me. 
I kind of feel like I've asked him all the questions and asked other than just like, you know, sitting him down in a room and nerding out over Legion of Superheroes for an hour. But, uh, <laughs> which Legion of Superheroes character would you want to see in a, uh, the wrong earth type situation between the various ages of the Legion? Ooh. Well, my favorite legionnaire is Timberwolf, so that would be real interesting. Because you got like young, you know, kind of human looking Timberwolf from like his early appearances to like the more werewolf version from you know five years later. So that'd be that'd be real interesting. I wonder if you know you could do something in that in that vein. I could see that working. Uh, it, it's such a weird thing that, as far as I know, Legion has never done that. But I'm also highly intimidated by Legion superhero stuff. Right. How's the, what? Just because there's so much history attached to it? And also, it's got the DC reboot problem worse than most of the things. And there's just so many characters yeah i think i've had that conversation with people before actually where you know we were just sort of positing you know what could you do with legion of superheroes necessarily like you know how you could approach it and i i think the the big problem is you couldn't have all the legionnaires that you wanted in the series because once you have that many characters it becomes a little unfocused I think uh, Legion Lost did it really, really well. You know, they they had a, a central team that you could follow, that you could build on, and that's always, I think, the best way to handle that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I definitely say that's a problem because I think a few years ago I tried to read the Great Darkness Saga, and it's like there's just so many people and they keep adding more of them. Yeah. Why is that guy is powered just that he can do Kung Fu. (laughs) Yeah. It it can be overwhelming, especially because here's the thing. Legion has such a passionate fan base as well. Like the Legion fans will let you know when they think you're doing wrong. They're 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 almost as bad as like some of the more hardcore Supergirl fans. So if you don't include their favorite Legionnaire, they'll they will cut you. <laughs> so who is your least favorite Legionnaire? Oh, Lightning Lad. He's just he's such a prick. <laughs> I've just I've <laughs> I've never liked him as a character. Devin, how about you? Who's your favorite Legion of Superheroes character? Yes, I know who they are. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, Devin. Don't worry about it. You picked your side with the (laughs) X-Men. What about Ray Bradbury? I'm aware of his work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, 
anything else that you want us to hit on? No, no, this has been fun. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thanks. This has definitely been a fun and low-key interview. Well, I'm glad I didn't put too much pressure on you being a big-time player that I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now it's time for our new final question segment. Is it getting my boss off my What's your favorite? What? Yeah, because I have a question for it. What? Oh, yeah, go. Not a middle school appropriate comic book. Am I right? No. Thank you. Because my principal, she was trying to get us to buy some books and she had like that on as listed on there. Just like, I have not had a chance to read it yet, but I know what studio publishes that and I'm aware of what it is. And uh, no. Yes, it, it is. It is very mature readers. I would not get that for. Okay, good, good. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The Batman one where he hangs Dick. No, Luke. No. Well, okay, I don't know what you said then because I thought you said Batman Black. No, just the comic. No, book no. Black. He's the the book. Oh, okay. For, for uh, Black Mass Studios. <laughs> yeah, uh, Black <laughs> is is not for there. There is not there's. Tasteful nudity and a lot of cursing. So, you know, I know they know the words already. I'm trying <laughs> not to, you know, contribute to their delinquency. Okay, so that was Devin's final question. My final question is, what's your favorite dinosaur? Hmm, Tyrannodon. 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 Okay, well, Jamal, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Jamal Igle, J-A-M-A-L-I-G-L-E, and the same thing on Facebook. Those are where I I populate the most, but it's easier to follow me on Twitter because I'm usually screaming about Batman versus Superman. They should have kissed. <laughs> it would have improved the movie. <laughs> uh, so you can pick up the Wrong Earth from Ahoy Comics at your local comic store. Make sure to let them know that you want it. You can also find it on Comixology. Devin, where can people find you? Uh, you online? can find me online at Fred Fett. That's F R E D D O F E T T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G, or at LukeHair, L-U-K-E-H-E-R-R dot com. Uh, Jamal, do yeah. you know what we're covering next week? No. What are you covering next week? Devin, do you know what we're covering next are week? Are we starting Marvel Zombies next week? Yeah, we're starting oh, Marvel gosh. Zombies next week. Ooh. Yeah, we're going to do a stupid amount, and we're also going to have a Big announcement about our plans for 2019. Ooh, interesting. Yes. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on. This has been an incredibly delightful interview. Oh, it was my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. And 
Uh, we will see the rest of you next week. Until then, this one's for Hank. Peace.